We're so excited to spend some time with you today on the Awakening Moments podcast. My name is Lori. And I am Rhonda. And it's our hope that you would feel like we are with you wherever you are right now, having a real life conversation about life in all its beauty and in all its mess. We believe that God wants to open our eyes to an awakening moment that will help us thrive in every part of our being. So we invite you on this adventure with us as we listen, learn, and grow together. Well, a few weeks ago, um, a mentor of mine sent me this YouTube video and uh, I took some time to watch it and I had no idea how impactful this was going to be. I sent it to you right away. Yes. And I was like, you need to watch this because it just has some really interesting perspective and truth um, that I had never seen in, in, in many, many popular stories, kind of this weave of truth. And um, it was a video. I really actually encourage you guys who are listening to go and watch it because Rhonda and I are going to try to <laughs> unpack it today, but we're probably going to butcher it a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a little. We're probably going to butcher yeah. it. But it does have some really powerful things that we sort of want to unpack. We're, we've been unpacking over the last few weeks of we, as we've been watching this. But, um, but yeah, I really encourage you to go watch it. It's from Ruth Fazel. Fazel is spelled F-A-Z-A-L. And it's on this Jewish festival, Jewish, Jewish festival called Purim. Now, I'm probably not saying that right either. I think it has a, a Jewish pronunciation, but P-U-R-I-M. So if you literally just Google, go to YouTube and then Google Ruth Fazel and Purim, you will find this video. It's with her and a Jewish man named Gil, G-I-L. And he's phenomenal. Oh. And that's why we're going to butcher it because he is Jewish he and speaks brilliant. Hebrew. Yeah, yeah. So. And unpacked. There's a context right there. Yes. So so <laughs> we apologize up front. When you watch it, you'll be like, oh, that's what they meant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you do stick with us. But no, it really does have some powerful things that we want to pull out today. And so we're going to start actually in, um, and we're going to start in the story in Exodus, Exodus 17, verse 8. And if you have your Bibles, you can open up and follow along with us, or you can just listen along. And the story starts like this. It says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight Amalek. Amalek is the enemy of the day. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him, fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and on the other, on the other side. And so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and the people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the members that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it. The Lord is my banner saying a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. All right. We've heard this story before. We've heard it in church. Um, you know, Moses getting tired and Aaron and her on his sides and lifting up his hands and all of that. 
Well, actually, in the Hebrew, the word hands actually mean faith. Mm. So what an interesting idea that the hands of Moses were not just his physical hands. Obviously, this is happening in the physical, but something supernatural is happening that when his faith is lifted high to Jesus, again, remember, they called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. So my banner being over, being Mm -hmm. lordship, being ahead, the head, that as his hands were up, as his faith was up, they were winning. And as his hands came down, as his faith came down, the the Amalek uh, tribe was winning. And so again, Amalek actually represents the enemy. He, he, this, this group of people that it was physical and this was happening in the natural, but it represents the enemy, our spiritual enemy coming against the people of God, the people of God who want to say, the Lord is my banner coming against to try to tear down that lordship. This is also a spiritual battle. So what you're saying is it was natural, but it was very much supernatural happening at the same time. Yeah. And that, and, and that's a takeaway for us too, even as mm-hmm. we go back and mm-hmm. read it is it's representing a spiritual battle for, for us, right? Amalek represents the, our mm-hmm. enemy. And then us, this battle of keeping our faith high and keeping the Lord as our banner. And so there's this other verse that um, was pointed out and it says this, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And so what this actually means is the hand of the Lord is on his throne. So God is literally in this moment swearing on his own throne that he cannot have full lordship, full throning until every single one of the Amaleks are dead. All the Amalekites are gone. He cannot have absolute lordship. And so... Again, God is talking about his enemy in this. This is what it represents, that, that the lordship of God, the throning of God is over his own enemy. And so the question that is asked through this video is why would God create an enemy that he must annihilate in order to have full throning, full lordship on the earth? This is what God is saying, this is how God is swearing that this has to be this way. And so it is such a fascinating idea. I mean, part of the answer to that question is that every single one of us as believers are invited into a spiritual war. We're invited to be a part of a war against darkness with God, the God of heaven, who is over all. Mm-hmm. He absolutely is Lord over all, but yet he's allowing the enemy to have some work and allowing us to come alongside, to fight alongside him in what we see and to keep our faith high, to keep the fire of our faith high, the fire of God within us. Isn't that just cutting in there, Lori? Isn't that just a beautiful thought? Like God could just wipe out the enemy. Like that's not even an issue Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Like God could just take them right out. Yes. But that he chooses to partner with us. He chooses to partner with us, his people. Yes. To defeat the enemy. To have Absolutely. him enthroned. Absolutely. He brings us into the war with him. But there's something so significant about mm. this story and even in the whole unfolding of scripture is Absolutely. that the truth is that God truly is not completely on the throne. His throne is not established until the enemy is fully destroyed. Yes. God's allowed this. This is this, yes. is, this is the story that's unfolding that he's allowed. 
but this is the story that we're a part of. So let's see why this throne has not yet been established. Yeah. So now we continue on. So from this story, we've just heard how this has unpacked. We now move to Deuteronomy 25, verse 17. So you can follow along. And it says, this is what is told. Never forget what the Amalekites did to you as you came from Egypt. So think of Egypt. If you're not sure of the story, God had rescued Israel from the slavery of Egypt with signs and wonders, with the plagues, and he had delivered them. That's where Passover comes over. Literally, there's so many things that happened in Egypt to deliver them from bondage. And they came out signs and wonders. They cross the sea. They see the, they cross through the sea on dry ground and then God delivers them. So this is what he's saying here. Never forget what the Amalekites did to you as you came from Egypt. They attacked you when you were exhausted and weary and struck you and struck down those who were straggling behind. They had no fear of God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies in the land he is giving you as a special possession, you must destroy the Amalekites and erase their memory from under heaven. Never forget this. So this is tying the story in Exodus. Once again, we see in in Deuteronomy, Amalekites. So, you know, Israel had come through exploits with God, supernatural. And now they're in the desert. And he's saying, now the Amalekites, once again, it's a natural battle, but it's a supernatural battle. Once again, they're coming after Israel when they're tired, they're weary, they're moving through the desert to attack them, to take them out fully take out God's promised people. And what it's saying here is that they are exactly in a position where they had just, they were on fire. God had inflamed their faith. We see here the hands of faith and then God uses Moses and uses this extraordinary season to really inflame their faith. They're stirred up and what supernatural it, works supernatural I mean, god is moving on their behalf literally fire at night oh. i mean all like pillar of fire i'm miracles every single day they're walking yeah. in the supernatural realm of god right and yet we see through the story of the children of israel that their faith goes through these seasons of high where they see god move and they get on their faces and they repent and they're they're on fire and then then grumbling and right complaining and, yeah. tr- and they w- want to go back to you know imprisonment and captivity and all of that and so you see this like constant place so this is where they're finding their enemy again here that's today. exactly now we don't i forget the hebrew word he used but when it says that the amalekites came to attack what it meant there in hebrew when he unpacks it when you listen to the podcast <laughs> it is amazing but it actually means to cool down right so right. think of that this he, he met them he met them on the way to cool them down that's yeah. right the amalekites met israel to cool them down they'd be inflamed with faith because of what they'd seen god do now they're traveling and so the amalekites come supernaturally it's natural war but it's a supernatural thing to cool down their faith and to put off the banner of god to extinguish the flame because we talk about the banner of god right in exodus it talks about them lifting and it be calling the banner of god this was meant to cool down their faith take off the banner of god to put it down and so this attack is coming from behind it's they're meeting them on the way to the promised land okay so think of that they had experienced this yeah. now the enemy comes when we experience think of even your own life when you have these extraordinary moments with god the enemy then will meet you now on the way to the promises of god as you're traveling to cool you down 
to put off the banner, to put off the covering, to put off the provision and that the throning, the of, throning God of God of him being king of our focus on him to cool you down. Mm-hmm. He will attack you from behind when you're weary, when you're tired, when you're walking in your desert. He's going to take advantage of your weakness because even here it says he came and struck them down when they were straggling behind, weary, tired. And so this is what the enemy does. He comes to cool us down. Mm. So be very aware that even these moments, these seasons of great faith, of great breakthrough, the enemy is coming to cool you down. He wants you to be, that flame to be extinguished. That's the goal, the ruthless goal. He came to do that exact thing because God wants us to move into our special possession. Right into the provisions he'd made he's made for us the promises and but we have to he's saying now to them but you must destroy the amalekites you must destroy and erase their memory from under heaven god is enthroned in the heavens but under heaven he's not completely enthroned here so he's saying you must do this you must do this so i can be enthroned here yeah yeah i'm not completely established in my throne wow we're partnered into this enthroning of with god so he and he finishes by saying never forget this so it's amazing he's saying never forget never forget and you know remembering I thought this was a neat and what they brought up, but remembering is actually just remembering what happened. It's like a logical thing like that happened, but then never forget is actually our response to God's provision in that event. Wow. So they are two it's different trust things in God. Yeah. Something can happen that was really difficult. And we just remember this remember happened, that. but our never forgetting is our response to say that happened, but this is how God, but God, but God, this is the but God. I remember how God saw me through. I remember the provision. It doesn't take away that this event happened, but our never forgetting is seeing the but God. Yes. So that's powerful. It is so, so powerful. And, I, and it does make me think about the things in my life that sort of creep in very subtly that do distinguish or just cool the fire of that flame of faith that's inside of my heart. You know, you you think about being in in Christ for many, many years and you go through these seasons where you're sort of just so on fire, so passionate, so exciting, so excited. And then you go through these other seasons where it just seems like not, you're, you're you're still totally settled, but there's not the same passion. There's not the same drive. There's not the same fire. And you just wonder, okay, Lord, like where have I allowed the enemy? Yes. To cool that flame, to cool the fire of my faith. It's a very good question that we can bring into our life right now, because that is what the enemy wants to do. Now, what I love about the thread of this story that's kind of coming through many stories is that, again, the Amalekites represent our our spiritual enemy. And God said, as long as the spiritual enemy is on the earth, my throne will not be established. Okay. So let's fast forward. We're going to go to 1 Samuel. We're going to go to 1 Samuel 15, and we're going to start reading at verse 32. And it says, Then Samuel said, Bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. So here they are again. So they're still on the earth. <laughs> they haven't been taken out yet. They have not been destroyed. You see, now we're coming into the day, the days of King Saul. We're coming into the days of King David. I mean, we're, we're, we're fast forwarding. Like we, Now it's been a while, okay? Amalekites are still on the earth. 
Agag came to him cheerfully. What? This enemy, okay? Agag came to him cheerfully, and he said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. So again, Saul has, in obedience to the Lord, just gone to war with the Amalekites. They've gone to war. They've destroyed everyone except the king. But they kept the possessions. They kept the spoil as well. But they destroyed everyone. It literally says that they, there was not one of the Amalekites that it existed except the king and the possessions and the spoil they took for themselves. They weren't supposed to do that. This chapter uh, in 1 Samuel, Samuel 15, is actually called Saul's Incomplete Obedience. Wow. So again, <laughs> we've been talking a lot about obedience and just feeling this like urge of, no, be obedient. But it's not even enough that we're obedient. We must be completely obedient. And we're going to see the ramifications of incomplete obedience from Saul right here. Again, so Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, as your sword made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in, Ga in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul and the Lord regretted that he had made King Saul over Israel. Just earlier, just before this part, Samuel literally had to go and do the work that Saul was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Samuel, the prophet, who I love, is also a warrior. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's so wicked. Because um, he is a warrior. Even what a scene! A prophet, eh? He's like that tenacity of like, yeah. I am getting this done. Yeah, like, but oh. even as a prophet, right? Oh, Such a spiritual powerful. role, but literally just to enter into. And again, that's part of like our warfare. I just love that. Like, that's the warfare part of when we step into the obedience of God, there's this warfare, this utter destruction of the enemy that's taking place. But just earlier, Samuel prophesies to Saul and he says to him, the Lord has said to you, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. He's talking about David. Saul's mm. disobedience cost him the throne. He had a job mm. to do. God told him what to do. God wanted to establish his throne. Saul had incomplete obedience. So that throne yet again was not established through this story. And so now <laughs> the interesting thing, and I would have never known this. I could have never wow. seen this coming. But in the time that Saul destroys all the Amalekites, but keeps the king alive, the king... And that's 24 hours. Yeah, this is like, I, apparently this like is a about day. a day or so that, you know, Samuel comes, he finishes the job, all of this. So apparently Agog <laughs> did some work and spread his seed in that small time that he was alive. Because again, the scriptures are saying everyone was destroyed. Every, all the descendants, everyone was gone except the king. And how we know this is because the story picks up again. Many years later, we see this seed, the seed of this enemy show up yet again. Yeah. And we move into Esther. So isn't this incredible to watch this thread that's moving through? 
So let's go to Esther 3.1. And this is how we know yes. that there was seed. So something happened. He was busy. He was busy in those he 24 hours. He spread his seed <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, that's why he was cheerful when he showed up to Saul. <laughs> 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 so funny, Rhonda. No, but it's seriously, true. A servant a, girl, a slave, somewhere, somehow, but he think got. Think of the mocking of that, though. But even, not even on the natural level, why he was cheerful, but even the enemy to be like, oh, you don't know what I just did. Right? Like, you think you've wiped me out, but I am oh. continuing. Oh. Like, even that spirit to be yes. like, yeah, I'm yes. not, he's not going down that easy. Yes, yes, The yes. enemy will find a way, the ruthlessness, yeah. but all that to say like that almost mocking in the spirit kind of yeah. like cheerful like yeah and it I'm, and it kind of made me reflect wow. as i thought about this story and i just thought okay this is this is crazy this is yes. absolutely crazy but it kind of made me reflect on we talk a lot about fruitfulness and we talk a lot about like seeds you know of unfruitfulness or bad fruit coming out of our life and that kind of thing and this idea of seed and plant and from that from that end but i just thought about wow the literal impregnation of evil within us and i i actually think that's how much more powerful the work of the enemy is in us that it wants to produce like it wants to birth like if there's seeds of resentment if there's wow. seeds of unforgiveness if there's seeds of bitterness inside of us if there's seeds of evil and again right we're talking about spiritual things here we're talking about like things that are not of god it's more like an impregnation inside of us rather than just the fruit of like a plant that seems like a little bit less personal but this idea i mean as women we know this we we we, we get this we get this idea of something literally growing inside of you and this is what's happening in this moment that this evil king who represents the enemy of god who represents the one who will not allow the banner the throne of god to be established again, wants to get inside of us, the people of God, mm. and sow his seed so that we then birth this evil, you know, that that uh, this evil work of the enemy. And so, again, I'm not trying to make it weird or anything like that, but I'm just, I, I, I want us to be aware of the, how much he wants to rule, how much the enemy wants yeah. to rule over the throne of God, right? And that we take that on very personally because we've placed God on the throne of our lives. And so how much more does he just want to get in there and try to pull down that banner that we've said, no, Jesus is my banner. He he's over my life. He's mm. on the throne. Right. So, yeah, I don't know if wow. that makes sense, but Boy, that's really profound. That's super profound. But it's, it sounds really intense, but. But that's actually how intense the, the work of the kingdom is, is the yeah. darkness. That's how yeah. intense it is. Yeah. But the same token, we're not going to go off track here too much, but we look at then even this Jesus came right. through the seed of a woman. He, like the Holy Spirit came upon Mary yes. and he was born and conceived. And even they said, you must be born again. Like when you look all through the scriptures yes. and you see like carrying new life. birth. Yeah. And he's the way, the truth and the life. Like all of this new birth coming through. The, like it's just beautiful. It he is. brought a new way. Yeah. A new way. A new covenant through the birthing. Like it's that was birthed. And he came that way. He could have just showed up on the scene as a God could have just came like as Jesus just could have just appeared. Yeah. Could've just appeared. Yeah. But this is very yeah. symbolic yeah. in the spirit realm. It was literally saying, no, I'm, I'm going to birth something new and right. something completely uh, and partner with man. And what happened in the spirit realm? Yeah. When, when Jesus was birthed, Yeah. there's a scripture in revelation. Oh, 
right? Yeah. Like what was going <laughs> on in yeah. the realm of the spirit that we can't see? That's right. Right? There's a reference in, in yeah. Revelation. Talks about the dragon. Which represents the Satan. enemy. Yeah. Being open, ready to devour the baby from the woman. And this is exactly, that's why like scripture is amazing. Because some, some of these, when you it's understand it, it's all connected. That literally, that has to do with when we sing silent night, so sweet and serene. In the heavenlies, it was all out war. There's a dragon looking to eat the baby. Like, think of that. When Jesus was coming, that complete, and that was a complete attack on the work of darkness, that God was saying, I am sending my son to defeat you. And we are all on attack. This is an onslaught now for the throne of God to be enthroned on earth. Divinity touched the earth in this way for the enthroning oh like it's divine and the dragon didn't get to eat the baby as we know and this is the part of the covenant and the story that yeah. we get to live out our faith on in, this right side. we're not in side. this part this old that's right. testament but way isn't but that exciting when we're when you're seeing all this unpacking so as we move back to esther okay esther 3 1 we know that seed was sown in the natural there was a birthing and now a line that continued of the seed and it says in three one sometime later king i always say this wrong exerces exerces all these names <laughs> you can laugh at us on the other <laughs> side promoted haman the agagite now there he is again. there's king agog right yeah this is now his, his line is Agagite. Now, this is the line, the new line, but from the Amalekites. And Haman, you guys know the story of Esther. Yeah. And Haman this is where is Haman is the bad dude. He's come to wipe out all of Israel. And not literally again. genocide. And this once again happens. It's not just like, uh, it's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural. I'm taking out God's people. Like, I, he, I'm going to take them out of dethrone, dethrone God. Yeah. Exodus, we see it. Once again, Deuteronomy, he meets them on the way to take them out right after they come out of bondage. And once again, here. He comes to take out and create genocide, take out Israel. So this is how we know that Haman, something, <laughs> this king was busy in those 24 hours. Right. right. Because this is the confirmation. This is the confirmation. still seed alive. That's right. Haman came. And this is where Haman comes from. So when we look at that. This is so powerful. And this is once again, the enemy all through scripture is fighting against the banner of of the Lord, the enthroning of God and trying to enable, like take out the people of God. And this continues to this day. And that's why we see we fight not against flesh and blood, like all through the New Testament, we see the unfolding. And once again, in Revelation, we see the finale of this throne ring, the throning of God. So I don't know if we want to talk about that right now, but it's pretty powerful. I I never, until I had seen that, that um, talk on YouTube, I never would have connected all of those pieces, but even like the cooling down really spoke to me and about, you know, just the seed, how ruthless the enemy is. Yeah. And that seed yeah. is sin and it's in all of us. Yeah. It's in all of us, that seed of sin. Yeah. But that's yeah. why right from the beginning, when you read the Old Testament, it's ruthless. And you think, why was it so violent? Yeah. Because God knew this seed of sin, that's why he's like, take them all out. This is not just a natural, it's a spiritual war. This is a spiritual war. Like, and yes. I want to preserve my people. Yeah. I have a plan for my special people yeah. and a promise. And yeah. so, oh, that is so, so powerful. I mean, even the words blot, right? Oh yeah. Blot them out. 
like it represents again how vigilant we're supposed to be in our lives with yes. when sin crouches at the door we are to blot it out but the beauty of it and the redemption of god is that that's exactly what he says about what he does with our sin yes when we come before him in repentance that he's going to blot it out that literally it is no part of us anymore once we've come and we've given it to him and so it, there are just these beautiful, beautiful threads and this unfolding story. And we get to be a part of a pretty exciting part of the story that the Holy Spirit is our helper. You yes. know, we know we can't do this alone, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, you know, we can walk in this just this beautiful space of recognition of where we've allowed those seeds of the enemy to begin to cool down our faith. We can bring that before God. We can ask the Holy Spirit for help. We can walk with him in the midst of it. And that's a beautiful part of the story. But we are also in the part of the story where God is making all things new. Yes. We're in the part of the story where, you know, he's going to return. All things are going to become new. Everything is going to be restored as is promised in the scripture. We can't see the fullness of it today, but we're walking out that part. And it's a pretty, pretty exciting time. But I know for you and for I, this talk has been just it's kind of stuck with us and we mm -hmm. keep we keep um just parts of it keep ruminating over our hearts and our lives as we just process our own faith journey and the mm -hmm. work of the enemy and mm -hmm. and the work of um spiritual warfare and pushing back darkness and recognition of the enemy and mm -hmm. where he's coming in to just cool down you know the fire of our faith the fire of what god is doing and we're believing that we are entering into a season where you know, the fire of God, the revival fire of God is being poured out. We're believing that we're walking in this. We're hearing these stories of even just individuals who are, who are getting a renewed sense of revival in their own personal walk mm -hmm. with God, a passion for the word of God, a hunger to dive in, to understand an openness and receptivity to receive all that God has. And so as we just hold all of these things in tension, you know, we are believing that we are on the side where God is going to establish his throne. Mm -hmm. And I am responsible for my life and I'm responsible for the throne of my heart. And so I want God to be on the throne of my heart. I know we want that banner like his banner is over. There's your tattoo. There's your tattoo, Rhonda. <laughs> I know. Wasn't there an old song? His banner over me is yeah, love. Yeah, that's yeah. an old song. But you know, when you just talking about the throne of God, we then move to Revelation. And Revelation 21 is coming to the very end of the story. When this is after the enemy now has been completely obliviated. Completely. Like, no more. It's done. He is destroyed and all of the legion with him. The Satan is thrown into the lake of fire forever there is and ever. coming Done. a day. There's coming a day when it's over. And it says this in, in chapter 21, which is where the rejoicing in our spirit starts. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself 
will be with him. This is what we see in Exodus. He's saying, this was his desire (laughs) the whole time. Like, Take them out. Take them out. I want to abide with you. I want the habitual presence to be here with you, throned as is in heaven on earth. And so this has been the fight of humanity, the fight of the kingdom of darkness and light for this not to happen. But in the end, we know the end of the story. God's throne will reign and rule on heaven. That's what it says. It comes down. This is the powerful part of it. He's making all things new. But it actually says, I see the holy city. There's coming down from God. And the rejoicing is, yes, we are now God's throne. He has blotted out the enemy once and for all. It's done. It's finished it's over. And I just love that because it goes on to say, he says, it is finished. I am alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. So this is the, the end of the story. But this is that wrestle that because this was never God's intent in in Genesis, but it started an, a storyline yes. <laughs> that we are now a part of. Yes. The banner, lifting high the banner, not allowing things to cool. But we know at the end, there will be a full on reigning and ruling. I love that scripture because even as I heard this talk of Purim, which is happening, just so everyone knows, this is actually a festival, a Jewish festival, a Jewish yeah. festival, and they celebrate, they dress up. It's a beautiful part. It Remembrance. Happened in, yeah, it just happened. Um, a, a I believe weeks it's in ago. February. That's right. Towards the end so of February. That's yeah. why this this talk was kind of happening because that festival was coming up. But this is actually just stirring us up because I love to study Revelation. And as I was hearing this story, I was thinking. This is what's going to happen in Revelation. This is actually the fulfillment will happen. Like it's going to happen. But in the meantime, we are responsible to allow that to happen in our own spirits. We don't have to wait for the new Jerusalem. This is now saying like, I enthrone you here as in heaven and earth. But one day we will see it done in the fun, like the finality of the story will happen unfolded on earth. So love that. So <laughs> love that. All love right. It. So. We do apologize because when you go and watch the video, you will see (laughs) that we did butcher it a little bit, but we hope you catch, you know, the heart of the beautiful threading of all of these pieces and how they're all connected, how these stories are so far from each other, even in timeline, Mm. but yet so connected. I mean, you took us right to the very end of the book, right from the beginning of the story of what Mm. God Mm -hmm. had wanted for us, his people to the very end of the story where it's all fulfilled to see the threat of the enemy and how he works. I mean, profound, profound, mind blowing, mind blowing. So again, go ahead, go on YouTube, Ruth Fazal, F-A-Z-A-L, Purim talk with uh, a Jewish gentleman named Gil. So phenomenal. You I know, will I, love it. Wouldn't it be amazing just to have a talk with Gil oh, on our podcast at yeah, some point? For Gil, sure. if you're listening, <laughs> you, we're, we're just putting it out there. He was so amazing. He was so good. Like he was just so the good. depth yeah. of what he brought. Yeah. And a little shout out to my mentor, Gloria, for sending it oh, to me. It thanks, really Gloria. was so impactful. And so, yeah, as you go today, may you just rest in the full, full, full position that you have in Christ. Mm. And may, as you follow your king, may you walk with full obedience to blot out complete complete obedience, not half-hearted, not just three quarters away, full obedience, knowing that this is for your good, to blot out the work of the enemy, because God, we want him to be a throne so we can lift the banner high of our king. So follow him to lift the banner. And he is with us and he has given us all that we need to do that. 
So God bless you today. And may you just be filled with great and renewed faith and the flame burn bright in your heart for him. Amen. So good. Thank you for joining us today on the Awakening Moments podcast. We pray that you are filled with hope and joy as you navigate the challenges of life. And we would love for you to subscribe to this podcast or share it with your friends. And remember, you are so loved by God and he is always with you.